You're listening to the second season of the study podcast with Dr. Paul Wegner on Genesis. I'm your host, Tyler Sanders, and I'm here with Dr. Paul Wegner, who's going to give us the Hebrew word of the day. All right. And, and this one I know you're going to like. It's the name Melchizedek. Oh, that's good. That's yeah, good. Because I figure we're going to get into it. And mm-hmm. so in uh, verse 18 there, it says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought up bread and wine. Now he is a priest of uh, God Most High. So Mel- it, it, in Hebrew, it'll sound more like Melchizedek. You know, it's two words put oh, together yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. But and, and it, but so in English, it comes across as Melchizedek. Yeah. So it works pretty well. Yeah. Uh, the name means king of righteousness. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. That's all we had for that. We just there now we know his name. Now we know his name. And guess what? We're talking about yeah. today. <laughs> um, so what's, w- our first, what's our first topic? Okay, though? what I wanted to talk about first is when Abraham goes into Egypt, he asked Sarah to say he was his sister. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, that's kind of an odd... Yeah, and everybody thinks, oh, man, he's a real jerk, right? Right. I want to, well, let me just show you what he says. Okay, so here's it is in verse in chapter 12, verse 11. Yeah. And it came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman, and it, it will come about when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. Please say that you are my sister so that it will go well with me because of you and that I may live on account of you. And it came about when Abraham came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman was very beautiful, and Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Therefore he treated Abraham well for her sake and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and male and female donkeys and camels. But the Lord struck Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai. Abraham's wife. Then Pharaoh called Abraham and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife, take her and go. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him and they escorted him away and his wife and all that belonged to him. Mm -hmm. It's kind of funny that if you think about it, here's a Pharaoh that gets taken by Abraham and and the idea is he must be humiliated. So that's why that oh. last part he kicks her out. The kicks yeah, them both yeah, yeah, out yeah. and says, "Get out of here." And he, and he now the next uh, this happens again in chapter twenty with yeah. Abimelech. Yeah, yeah. And at that time you hear a lot more of the the background. Mm. Um, so I just wanted you to see this. Let me um, just talk about it now. So yeah. Abimelech my, uh, means my father is king. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to the chapter twenty if that's okay because okay. it's yeah, a yeah. lot more detail. Yeah, yeah. But All this right? kind of reflects chapter twelve. Basically. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. Same happens. thing happens. Yeah. yeah, then God came to Avimelech in a dream. Oh, uh, and you probably wanted to know how would Pharaoh or even Avimelech? Well, this time it tells you mm-hmm. he came to him in a dream. I don't know about Pharaoh, but remember he had magicians. Oh that, yeah, yeah. So I'm assuming the magicians could hear from God and see what's going on. Hmm. Um, it seems like that happened other times in, when uh, they were there. So I'm assuming that's kind they had of what's some going kind on. of knowledge. Yeah, and that's how he found out. I think so. Yeah, or or was able to connect the uh, the plague, yeah, the problems to yep. Sarai, yeah, and then it, I think this one's funny because Sarah was probably already pregnant at this time, because remember chapter eighteen and nineteen, the angels came and said, by this time next year your yeah. wife is gonna have a, a child, yeah. So it sounds like probably she's pregnant at this time, mm. so that even puts a new spin onto the issue, yeah. And so now the one that they've worried about is now gonna, you know or that they wanted for so long, now be right. maybe gone. Yeah. 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 
Okay, verse 11 here says, and Abraham said, because, so he's explaining why he did it, because that's what Avimelech asked him. And uh, Abraham said, because I thought, surely there is no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she actually is my sister, the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it, and it came about that when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said to her, this is the kindness which you will show to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. Um, so this actually gives us a lot of information. First of all, that Sarah really is his sister um, from a different marriage, of course. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like they did this quite regularly, right? Because it says, mm. this is the kindness you will show me everywhere we go. So I'm wondering if you only see it twice oh. because it only was a problem twice. Right, right. Okay, let me But let, they were prepared to do it. Yeah. So let me explain what I think is going on. Okay. If a father is not there, then the brother would be the one that would uh, uh, put the woman up for um, a bride price and stuff like that. Okay. And I figure Abraham could say, I'm just going to put such a high bride price on her that nobody could ever pay it. Huh. And so it'd save us both. Both of us would be protected. Yeah. And the 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 you know the person that asked for the the, the uh, you know to marry her, she they just can't afford her. You know because mm-hmm. the price is so high, no honor loss, no problem there. And so I think that's what Abraham's thinking. Remember the two times it doesn't work. One is the Pharaoh of Egypt. Yeah. What price could he put sure. on Sarah? And it not work, yeah, right? Yeah. And him not pay it. Yeah. And if you looked, remember he says he gave him all these these things. He gave yeah. him camels and donkeys, donkeys and, and yeah, everything. Yeah. And my guess is that might have been part of the price and he just paid it. Wow. Now that also tells you Avimelech also must be pretty rich. Yeah. So whatever the bride price is, he can pay it too. Yeah. So that gives you some clue. But I think that now puts it in a little better context to help you know. Well, Abraham's thinking that on his own, he's going to protect his family, and he's going to do what he can to try to protect his family. Yeah. I think what's good is that God won't let that happen. God makes sure that Abraham knows that he cannot protect him. He's going to need God. And both times, God had to come in and stop it and protect him. Yeah. So I think actually Abraham is learning a lesson. I think the lesson that he's learning is man, I better trust in God, and this God is going to be the one that protects me. I can't do it with my own ingenuity, no matter how good it is. Yeah, and that that does kind of reflect a little bit of the lesson he had to learn. Yeah, all the way through. Yeah, too. It was kind of like all the likely ways, the way he's attempted to do it, you know, like all of of the logic kind of seemed to go against it, but God was saying, but... I'm not really bound by that. Like, even, thing. even with that, remember he tries an easier yeah. way with Hagar. That's too. right. Yeah. 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 So all his logic, and I think at the end of the day, and his attempts too, God's teaching him. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you think of that? Yeah, that's fascinating. That's tricky. Um, I, yeah. I mean, it's complicated. I think in our modern context, to understand that for a lot yeah. of reasons. Yeah. Um, but I think what it does is it does a really nice thing that helps you see Abraham's not a jerk. He's actually trying to protect his family. He just can't do it on his own, yeah. and God's called in to yeah. have to do it. So does that mean it's more likely, though? I mean, so why would it be more likely that a person would, if it's if Abraham is Sarai's brother, yeah. why would they be more willing to 
go through the regular process then like if just go ahead and kill him yeah oh because yeah. i assume if they can if there's any possibility that they can to get do him it legally legally or, yeah that's yeah. a much better yeah killings would hopefully be the last resort yeah, yeah. you know so i think if there's a legal way to try to do it they'd try to do that first and he just set like a legal mm-hmm. barrier that was so high yeah yeah, no, no shame in that. I just can't afford yeah. her. Yeah, okay. you know what else I like about Avi Melik? I don't know if you remember, but at the end he pays a. a it's called a vindication price. Hmm. In in Hebrew, it calls an an eye covering. He gives a thousand shekels of silver to Abraham, even after Abra- what Abraham had done done to him. Yeah, and my understanding is the reason he's doing this is to let people know. It wasn't Sarah's fault. It wasn't that I I didn't want her or that she's not mm. good enough. So that that thousand dollars or thousand silver shekels, shekels yeah. will make it say she's still valuable. But we just this is not going to work. You know the idea of, of marrying somebody else's wife just isn't going to work. Interesting. Yeah. So I think I actually see him as a really honorable king, and I think that's pretty interesting. Well, because once he figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, now it's pretty dangerous because remember, if it, God stops the wombs of all the people in this in his nation, so yeah. that that would mean that nation would die out. Yeah, yeah. like a generation. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So anyway, and then and then another interesting thing in that same passage mm. is that he tells Avimelech to pray, have Abraham pray for him because he's one of my prophets, and I'm going. Oh man, I'm sure Avi Melk is going, and that's the kind of prophets you have that rip off people and do this to them. How embarrassing! So God has to admit that Abraham's one of his prophets. Right. So I think that's kind of an interesting thing for the story too. Yeah. Well, I thought that would be helpful to get us some of the background to know probably what's happening there. Yeah. So okay, now it's Melchizedek. Yeah. All right. Okay, this tell, is a great one. This should we is a tell toughie. you? We'll tell you the story, okay? Yeah. In Genesis sixteen, you've got or fourteen, you've got um, right at the beginning, you've got these kings. Uh, they call it the four kings against the five kings. Uh-huh. So the four kings are coming from uh, far east from where they are and up north. Okay. And the the five kings are down around Abraham. So like Sodom is one of them, and some of the the bigger cities down there. Yeah. Okay. So um, the battle happens. Uh, Abraham hears that Lot was taken. And so they catch him at a place called Dan. Remember, we talked about Dan oh, yeah. last time. So that's yeah. that's where it is. Um, so at that point, uh, you learn a couple things. Abraham has 318 soldiers, basically. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they say that they are actually from Abraham's house. I'm sorry, not just from his house, born in his house. So that means that all of these, to get 318 trained men that were born in your house, that means you have to have a pretty good-sized house. That lets you know how rich Abraham was. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of knew that from some of the other things that it said about him, but that really, I think, highlights it. he has hundreds and hundreds of people, or maybe even thousands, I guess. Yeah, at least, I would say at least hundreds to get that many trained men for war. To good fight, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Yeah. Okay, so that's the background. And, and on their way back, they stop at a place called the Valley of Shaven. And it must, it's got to be real close to uh, Jerusalem somehow, okay? And, and it's called also the King's Valley. Those are terms we don't use for it today, but I can see mm. why they probably would have. Okay. So it, it's got to be close there. Anyway, um, he says that he's the King of Salem. 
Mm-hmm. And according to Psalm uh, uh, 76.2, God is known in J- Judah. His name is great in Israel, and his tabernacle is in Salem. His dwelling place is also in Zion. Mm-hmm. So it's equating Salem with Jerusalem, or with yeah. Zion, Zion, actually, yeah. specifically. Yeah. Um, but uh, Jerusalem or Jerusalem mm-hmm. is basically city of peace. Uh-huh. Um, and so I think that's probably where the name... In fact... Today, even that name is known as that, and I think that's probably where you know it's probably been that for quite a while. Because if it was called Salem before, yeah, yeah. and now it's called City of Peace, it probably just developed from that. Yeah, the, the same place. Okay, so I think that's what's going on there. He's said to be a king of Salem and priest of the Most High God. Yeah. Okay. Now, what's interesting is he's a Canaanite, so he can be both of those, right? Hmm. If he was in Israel, he could not do that, right? Because the kings and the priests come from two oh, separate lines. Yeah, right, yeah. right. So Judah would be where kings come from, and Levi is where the priests come from. Uh-huh. So God made sure that you could never have a king and a priest together. Yeah. Yeah. In Jerusalem, because I think that would give them way too much power. Yeah, sure. You know, the, the authority like of a, political and then yeah, and spiritual. Religious kind of yeah. spiritual leader. Yeah. So God made sure that didn't happen. Okay? So that, he's a Canaanite. So how is he? Yeah. how does he get in to be like a priest then? Because that would mean he's not from the... Now remember, he's he's he, as far as they're concerned, they don't have these restrictions about having a king from one and a priest yeah, yeah, from one. Yeah. They can they can just sure yeah yeah yeah. And my understanding is it was probably fairly common among other nations that you had kings yeah. and priests together. Sure, because you know that give you even more authority, so you yeah, have yeah. even more power. Yeah, so I think it's probably more likely. Outside of other nations, okay, yeah, he's also called it. It's also called a Jebusite city, mm-hmm. so probably Jebusite was the more uh, um, that almost like the tribe clan thing, okay, and then um, Canaanite was the bigger uh, group uh, yeah, of yeah. what they were. Okay, that's probably what it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, so verse 17 says, Then after his return from the defeat of Cadalamer and the kings who were with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him in the valley of Shaven, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now he was priest of God Most High, keeps emphasizing that. Yeah. Um, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he, meaning Abraham, gave him a tenth of all. So basically, they're giving a, t- um, a tithe, basically, uh-huh. for just God protecting them. You know, that when he's delivered him from the enemies, that's probably a, uh, almost like a, a thanksgiving gift. Yeah, gratitude to or something. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably what's going there, there on there. But notice every time it talks about it, or at least several times, it calls him of God most high. Yeah. That's going to be really important because you'll see that later on again, and I'll, I'll try to point that out. Okay. Okay, here it is, verse 21. And the king of Sodom said to him, Give the people to me and take the goods for yourself. And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have sworn to God most high, or mm-hmm. the Lord God most high. I want to explain that That's in a, a little minute. different. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take a thread or a sandal thong or anything that is yours. What has been explained to me, and I think it's correct, it just doesn't mean a... Okay, so you've got a thread and a sandal thong. Well, okay, a thread is real thin, and a sandal thong is a little thicker. Yeah, a strip of leather. Okay, and it didn't take either of those kind of things from you. Um, 
but I don't think that's exactly what it means. I think it means a thread to a sandal thong, meaning it goes all the way around and anything else, because remember he says, or anything that is yours. So I think it goes all the way around and comes back to a sandal thong. So he's saying, Mm -hmm. nothing am I taking from you except the food that they've already eaten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably what he's getting at. It's probably a figure of speech that means I'm not taking anything. I see. Yeah. So, so instead of it meaning like I wouldn't take, yeah, those these the even the smallest kind yeah. of thing that you wouldn't even notice. It was more like I yeah. will not take like from this to this, and that encompasses yes everything every, basically everything in between. Even. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I think that's the way it works, and I think that's huh. right. Okay. Yeah. And it makes some sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, notice even at this point he says um, of the king of Sodom, so that so that you wouldn't say that I made him rich. Wow, he must know that king of Sodom pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> that he that he'd rip him off, kind of thing. Yeah, and it says, "I will take nothing except what the young men have eaten." Too late to get that back, right? Sure. Uh, and the share of the men who went with me, Enor, Eskol, or uh, yeah, Eskol and Mamre. Now that would be pretty much standard practice. Anybody who went with you, they would get a share of the the booty yeah. or the yeah, the, yeah. the, uh, yeah, st- the plunder kind of, that they've yeah. gotten. Yeah. yeah. So I think that makes perfect sense. Uh-huh. So let's go back now. Who is this guy, Melchizedek? Well, it says he's the uh, king of righteousness. That's his name. That's his literally, name. Yeah. yeah. And he has two offices. He's the king of Salem or Jerusalem and priest of the most high God, uh, which would be his other uh, office. And Abraham pays a tithe to him. Um, yeah. Did not take the possessions from the king of uh, Sodom, but he gave him a tithe of all that he had. Yeah. So I think that's interesting. Those are kind of some interesting things. So the question is, who is this guy? Yeah. You know, and what's he got? Yeah. The other passage that talks about him in the New Testament is, uh. is Hebrews chapter 7. For this, Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham as he was returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham apportioned a tenth of all the spoils, which was first of all by translation of his name, king of righteousness, uh-huh. and then also king of Salem, which, which is king of peace. See, all that's just the background of yeah. what you already knew from the Old Testament, yeah. okay? Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days or end of life, but made like, I think that's pictured like, the mm. son of God, he abides a priest perpetually. Now observe how this great man was also, how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of all the choices loyals. I don't know if you noticed Abraham, the patriarch. That's actually pretty important. Sure, so yeah, he's, yeah. One, he's like our, our most important patriarch. Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. giving it to him. Yeah. Okay. Um, we'll, go, we'll go on because there's more, but I want to just point out something. You know, some people have thought this guy's an angel or something like that, that he comes in and he's, he doesn't have uh, a genealogy. He doesn't have a father and mother. Yeah. But notice it says, but made like the Son of God. I think that means right. he's pictured like him. That doesn't mean he's not, he doesn't, he, I don't think he's an angel. I think he's a real person. Yeah. And I think that he, he actually has a genealogy, he has a father and mother. But in Genesis, it didn't record that. Yeah. And I think what it's getting at is because it didn't record it, it's almost like he's just hanging there, okay? Mm. So he's saying, so because he's pictured that way, he's also pictured like the Son of God who doesn't have father and mother. Interesting. Yeah, so I think that's... So I don't think he's an angel. I think he's a real person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But because it's not recorded... Now, what's interesting 
in Genesis, almost everybody has a genealogy. Yeah, right. Right? Um, you've got like three of them in the book, and, yeah. and often they'll tell how they're related and stuff. Yeah. But this is a Canaanite. What difference does it make who he's related to? And so I think the mm. issue is, it doesn't matter. This guy is not somebody of the promised line. He's not going to be somebody you need to know. He's just, at this point, a priest and a king that's going to be a picture of something later. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, because not having a genealogy makes is what part of... Yeah. That's kind of what makes it a good picture later. Yes, and I think I think that's what the author of Hebrews, Hebrews is doing. Is kind of arguing. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's making sure that as he writes it, he, he, he shows how close it is. He takes every little bit from that story yeah. and, and uses it, Yeah, basically. Yeah. Okay, look at the next part then. And those indeed of the sons of Levi who received the priest's offering have commandment in the law to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their brethren, although these are, uh, these are descended from Abraham. But one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises. So right to that point, he's saying, yeah. that means that this Melchizedek is greater than Abraham, because Abraham's paying tithe to him, mm. and he gave him a tenth, which is usually what you give to the Levites. Right. So he's honoring him to give him a tenth of that, too. Yeah. So he's showing honor, and this then Melchizedek blesses him. Yeah. So that's that ought to be in their minds... That ought to mean something really unusual here. Yeah, okay? sure, yeah. Okay, but without any dispute, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Got that. Uh -huh. And in this case, mortal men receive tithe, but in that case, one received them of who it is witnessed that he lives on. See what he's doing? As he was pictured as not, you know, he didn't have a father or mother or a genealogy yeah. that says he died, he's pictured as living on. All of that is going to be necessary to try to draw a picture between him and Christ. Yeah. yeah. So you need that that These picture details. of him living on to yeah. help then him picture like Christ. Okay. Okay. And so to speak, through Abraham, even Levi. This is the part that's interesting. He's saying that even Levi, who we usually give ties to, mm -hmm. is actually getting ties because he's laid, he's in the loins of his father. It oh, goes sure. on. Who receives tithes, pays tithes. For he was still in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him. Yeah. So it's almost like a Jewish way of thinking that they have, okay, so he's father and he's connected to all these. So later on, the Levites are going to come through his line yeah. and they're paying tithe through Abraham is what he's basically saying. Uh, I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so basically it's trying to show just how important this Melchizedek is. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. All right. So what we've got is we've got Melchizedek pictured like the Son of God. He abides a priest forever, it basically says, uh, just like mm -hmm. a normal person, but he says he's presented or likened like to Christ. Yeah. It's unusual for people not to have genealogies, uh, especially in Genesis 1 through yeah, 11, because sure, almost yeah. everybody does. Yeah. And it appears to know the true God. Um, do you remember I kept showing that he's, he's it says... The oh, most high God. Yeah, the most high God. Yeah. And, and th when Abraham does it, he actually says, the Lord, the most high God. Yeah. So what I actually think, and, and it, it even adds that phrase, possessor of heaven and earth. Yeah. I think what's happening is that it's possible that Melchizedek didn't actually know exactly who that most high God was, mm. but he knew he possessed the heavens and earth and all that. I think Abraham is clarifying for Melchizedek who this who most God. high God is. It's okay. Yahweh. It's yeah, the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. So I actually think by adding that name Lord to the other phrases that were used for him, yeah. it's actually helping Abraham clarified to Melchizedek who this God is. Yeah. So I think at least that's how I see it happening. I see him clarifying for Melchizedek, who's a pagan, to know that the Most High God is the Lord. Yeah. 
And I don't know. It, it doesn't sound like Melchizedek is opposed to that. It sounds like he's okay with yeah, that. That's true. Yeah. But Abraham seems to then help clarify it for him. He gives him more information. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I think that's what it means. Yeah. That's yeah. what what means. It is is why he adds that word Lord oh, I see. God yeah, most yeah. high. Yeah. yeah. In Abraham's description. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now I've got to show you something else. I actually think I'm going to argue that there's three people in the line of Melchizedek. Okay, Melchizedek, uh-huh. David, and Jesus. Okay, so I want to show you how, the, yeah. at least, is why I think that. But can you let's go to uh, uh, Psalm 110? Okay. Uh, okay, it says it's a Psalm La David, uh-huh. and I hope you've know that I've I've argued that La can mean a lot of different things. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't think it just means authorship. I think it could mean for David, yeah, a yeah. psalm for David, according to David's style. There's a lot of different options. Yeah. Um, I actually think that this one is written for David. Okay, La David. Um, the word Lord is there. Says to my Lord, and notice how that's written. That my Lord means um, my. King, my hmm. master, something like that. It's clearly not Yahweh, okay? Yeah, yeah. And it's not even the other term for Lord, which I'll show you in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, he says, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Mm-hmm. The Lord, and that's the same term for the Lord God. The first one. Yeah. yeah will stretch forth his strong scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of my enemies. Your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power in holy array. From the womb of the dawn, your youth. Is like uh, to you is like the dew. The Lord, same word as used before, has sworn uh-huh. and will not change his mind. You are to priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So that's why I brought this up. It's pulling in yeah. Melchizedek and saying, You're a priest of that. Yeah. And, then, and then it says, And the Lord was at your right hand. This is actually the word that would mean God. So God is sitting at your right hand. So the question is, is who's this written for? I'm going to argue that it was written for David Mm -hmm. and that he's saying, the Lord God said to my Lord David, sit at my right hand. Yeah, and so it's it's the logic is somebody wrote it for David, not that David wrote it. Yeah. Now there's, we'll talk about this, but there's an issue in the New Testament that I want to talk about. But at this point, I think that's the logic that I want to show you. Yeah. Now let me. Let me show you my timeline here. I believe there are only three persons in the order of Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. One is Melchizedek. We've got that. And he's a priest and a king forever, so that's the key. Yeah. Okay? Psalm uh, uh, 110.4, you are a priest forever according to the order, order of Melchizedek. I think that's David. Yeah, because if it's to David, yeah. that would be assigning him that. Yeah. Yeah. And then Jesus. Okay? I've got this passage from Hebrews 7 yeah, to yeah. tell you, and this one is clear still, if another priest arises according to the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become such, not on the basis of law, physical requirement, because uh, it says that he couldn't be both a priest and a king if he's a Jewish person, yeah. right? Uh, but according to the power of an indestructible life. For, the, uh, for it is witnessed of him, you are a priest forever according to the, Mal, uh, the order of Melchizedek. I think here it's talking about Jesus, and it, and it once again picks up that to show that he's also in the line of Melchizedek. Yeah. Okay? Now, let me show you the, my, my passage that'll help you. Uh, do you remember when David was uh, taking the ark out of? Uh, can't remember the, the Philistines. No, no, it, it's it's he's at Obed Edom's house, okay. and he brings it into Jerusalem. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he the first time he does it, uh, that Uza gets uh, killed. Yeah, and so he's he 
stops it and puts it back at this house. Yeah. Then he he finds out that Obadiah's house is being blessed, and got and David wants some of that blessing, so he does yeah. it again. But this time, when he does it, it says, "And so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and ox and a fatling." Mm. Now, now at that point, you could actually say, "Well." David had those things sacrificed, right? He he, he wouldn't necessarily do it, but because he's yeah. the king, he yeah, could he have a priest tell. do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but look at verse fourteen. And David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So he was wearing the the priestly clothing. garment. Yeah. yeah, and and that's one that only priests should be wearing. Yeah. So that would probably go back up and say, oh well, maybe he was doing the sacrifices too. Right. Now remember what's real interesting, Saul gets in trouble for not waiting for the sacrifices, and God removes oh, yeah, yeah. the kingship from him. Yeah. Uzzah, uh, I think his name is, um, actually uh, uh, went into the temple and sacrificed, and he gets leprosy. Yeah. So God gets really upset with people that aren't priests sacrificing to his God, even yeah. if they're a king. Yeah. So I'm going, why can David do this and these other kings can't. Yeah. And I believe the answer is he's in that line of Melchizedek. So Psalm 110.4 is actually talking to David to let him know that. Yeah. And because so, being in that line kind of gives you a special... Well, remember, he's now going to be king and a priest, yeah. so he can do the, the both, both parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my evidence to suggest that we've got three in that line and not just two. It certainly makes more sense out of, I think, the story of David, yeah, of I why he's so. able to do that, yeah, and not, you know, especially when God is so upset with the other kings that yeah. do it, yeah, yeah, makes sense, yeah, okay, so that's what I think is happening there. All right, um, oh, oh, this is the next one. D- any questions? Next story? Yeah, oh, so many. Angel of the Lord is the next one. But oh it, yeah, that's a good sh- one too. Should we, let's go back though. Well, are there any questions here that you have? I, I think like my my biggest question, yeah. and there may not be a good answer for this. Okay, kind of like how did Melchizedek get get, get this position yeah. as a Canaanite? I think that's kind of the odd thing to me. Yeah, he, he's kind of a so. I mean, you you alluded a little bit to it earlier. He he may not really know exactly who Yahweh is. Yeah, but he is righteous. It sounds like. At least he's a priest, so he's yeah. probably doing what priestly things are supposed to do. Yeah, you know, priestly people. So, could we say as like, does he have some knowledge of who God is if he doesn't know exactly who he is as Yahweh? Yeah, uh, here it could be two possibilities. Hmm. At least, well, maybe more, but at least the two I've thought about is that it could be that he, you know, because um, uh, the line of Eber, which is uh, mm. earlier talked about um, yeah, yeah. in Genesis, yeah. it could be that. That whole line has some special relationship with God, and so maybe mm. even though he's a Canaanite, yeah. at some point he may have heard about this Yahweh, huh. or, or at least heard about the Most High God, even if it's not real clear to him. Yeah. And he serves. And there's no doubt he serves the Most High God, yeah. whoever that is. Yeah. So I would actually think that that's a possibility. He could have heard it about from history. Yeah. There could be traditions that he would have heard about this Most High God. Yeah. Or I think the other possibility is Abraham is actually clearing. So you'd still have the idea that he's heard about this Most High God, but then Abraham now comes and says, oh, you know that Most High God that you've been serving? Yeah. That's actually Yahweh. And, and and I see it like, remember how Paul goes in that... I was about to uh, say, yeah, yeah he's the unknown God. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I think he's doing. He goes to the Greek um, 
place where they worship yeah, yeah. all these like gods. You're really close. Yeah. And then he says, well, the God you worship in ignorance, I'm yeah. here to tell you about today. Yeah. And I wonder if that's a little what Abraham was doing. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's possible. Yeah. yeah. I think that's good. And maybe part of the, the mystery of Melchizedek is so that it better sets up. I, yeah. I, I think what yeah. you've shown us looking back from yeah, the Testament Hebrew. lens... Yeah. And and you know the the Old Testament sections on David where he's kind of listed in this like I think looking back through that yeah it does kind of make a clearer line from Melchizedek to Christ you yeah. know what Hebrews kind of argues that's right so that that that's pretty clear but it, it is he's a very mysterious yeah but I actually uh, character think, you know I think that God was guiding this all the way through mm-hmm. made sure he didn't have the genealogy yeah. there so that because he knew. Whoever's writing Hebrews, I don't know who that is. Yeah. Um, whoever's writing Hebrews has that logic that he can yeah. then build upon. Yeah. So I think that's what's going on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've, right. st- I've got God on the overarcher of Scripture, so he can yeah. he can put these little hints along the way, and then right. and then also make sure he doesn't say uh, any yeah. more than that about him. Right. So well, and I, I know you like yeah. to 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 focus in like on your classes that like you know Old Testament has meaning. Yeah, on its own. Yep, and then we reinterpret that through the New yeah. Testament. We understand the big picture, but we should still understand yeah. what was being communicated originally. Yeah, but we we still see that in this case too. Like certainly yeah. that that gets picked up. I mean, that explains a lot of David. Yeah, and what how I'm he's trying, able to do. Well, how I ex- king, you know, how I explain this is God's building. He's is progressive revelation, yeah. so he's continuing to give him more and more and more. Yeah, which we see happening with Abraham. Yeah. Too with, with exactly. the covenants, the way the covenants yeah. kind of come out, you know. Yeah. All right, okay, you ready the for the topic? next one? Yeah. Okay, angel Let's get of the even Lord. Deeper. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it, Genesis eighteen is probably one of the most clear ones. So the Lord, and look, it says, "Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre." So it actually is suggesting the Lord's there. Yeah. Okay. At least suggests that while he was sitting at the tent of the door in the heat of the day, and when he lifted up his eyes, behold, three men were standing opposite to him. So it's it's kind of interesting. There's. He says he's the Lord, but the three men were standing opposite him, okay? When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them, and he bowed himself to the earth and said, My Lord, um, I, I I don't know if I told you this, but when it has uh, the ending that this one has, uh-huh. it, it means the real Lord. Hmm. But on this one, I think it should be translated my Lord's, because huh. it's also the plural ending, Oh, okay. So I think it's supposed to be my Lord's, and I translated it just like was in the NSB, but I want you to know it's probably not right. Interesting. Yeah. If now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass your servant by. Please let a little water be brought and uh, wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree, and I will bring a piece of bread that you may refresh yourself. After that, you may go out since you have visited your servant. And they said, do as you have said. Now, it, it was interesting. Remember, I didn't put it here, but remember, Abraham goes out, kills a, kills a calf, gets... Uh, uh, three measures of like almost like bushels of yeah. of fine flour makes all this bread. Yeah, I'm going. This is a feast. This isn't right. just a little water yeah, and a little bread yeah. to refresh yourself. Do yeah. you know what he's doing? I think what he's doing is he's making it sound like it. Oh, it'll be no bother and all oh, that. And, yeah, 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 and so yeah. I think that's what's going on. Yeah. So he makes it sound like it's nothing. That but then when they say yes, he just 
over. I mean, yeah, yeah. a calf must, yeah, at the very smallest, very probably 400, but he's right. 400, 400 pounds of meat. Sure, right. So I, I don't suppose they ate it all, but there's going to be a lot of meat that yeah. they bring in. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, so I want you to know that the Lord appeared to him, it says, but then also it's these men that are talking. Yeah. So I think what's, what he's doing is that, that God is, being, is, is using these men to, to say what he needs to have him okay. say. So yeah. when it says appeared, I think it means he came to him to, to let, them add, let him know a message is, is basically. Yeah. Okay? All right. Um, and he said, I will surely return to you at this, next time, or at this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Yeah. And Sarah was listening at the door and was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. I assume what that means, she's in menopause, right? So she, she's too old to have children. Yeah. Okay. And Sarah laughed to herself, saying, after I become old, shall I have pleasure of my Lord being old also? Notice it says she laughed to herself. So that's oh, yeah, inside yeah. she yeah, laughed. Yeah. Okay. And the Lord uh, said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Shall I, indeed, uh, shall I indeed have a child when I'm so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you this, this time next year, and Sarah shall have a, a son. And Sarah denied it, however, saying, oh, I did not laugh, <laughs> for she was afraid. And he said, yeah. what I, I like his response, no. But she did laugh. Yeah, she did. Yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't let her off. But yeah. I like that he says, no, I, I understand you didn't laugh outside, yeah. but you did laugh. Yeah. <laughs> so it just seems like to me it's kind of a cute way to do it. Yeah. All right. Um, and then uh, later on, it says, as soon as he had finished speaking to Abraham, the Lord departed and, the, and Abraham returned to his place. Yeah. So it's several times it's talked about the Lord. All right. And then now you've got in chapter 19, you've got the two angels that go down to Sodom. So yeah. I don't think anybody questions that the two angels are probably just angels. Yeah. The question yeah. is, is that other angel, is it a, well, yeah. What? who is it? Okay. Right. And, because we have the Lord appeared. Yeah. But we also have three, he sees three men. Man, yeah. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. There. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here's, here's the options of who the angel of the Lord is. Okay. It could be a self-manifestation of God. Okay. And my response to that is usually, if he can appear as a burning bush yeah. or as a pillar of fire or smoke, yeah. he can also appear as an angel, I assume. Yeah. So that is one possibility. The other is a pre-incarnate Christ. And the, usually the best argument for that is, that's the part of the Godhead that has a body and you can see. Yeah. So it's it's before he was ever given that body, but he can appear temporarily uh, in the Old Testament is yeah. what they argue. Okay. Okay. And then the third one is it's a special or it's an angel with a special commission from God. So he's 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 when he's said to be the angel of the Lord, he's the angel God sent with a message. I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So does that make it clear how each of them are distinguished? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, there's some evidence for each of them. It's like the angel uh, speaks in first person as if he's God. Okay. So here's here's a neck uh, for the self manifestation. Of yeah. God. So uh, in verse uh, I, I did the sixteen ten. Uh -huh. Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, "I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they uh, will be too many to count." The angel of the Lord said further to him, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. So it almost looks like it's the angel talking for God. Notice it says, I will greatly multiply your descendants. Yeah. So, so it's, it's almost got him 
like he's doing it, okay? Yeah. And then the angel of the Lord's equated with God, like in verse 15 here. Um, I think I did the 22, 15. Yeah. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord. So again, it sounds like the Lord is now swearing, declares the Lord. Okay, because you have done this thing mm. and not withheld your son, your only son, indeed, I will greatly bless you. I will greatly multiply your seas at the stars of heaven. Yeah. So I, it's certainly By myself, looks I've like, sworn. That's yeah. kind of a so, tricky passage. So it certainly makes it look like he's talking, right? Yeah. Uh, God can manifest himself in many ways. I put a few of them there, yeah. so why not an angel? Yeah. Now, here's the problems that I see with it. It says, no man has seen God. So yep. he's spirit, so yep. that seems to be a problem. Uh, but they have seen his glory. So I, I think that it is not yep. impossible for God to appear if he needs to. Like like when he led the Israelites through the wilderness. It yeah. seems like the pillar of fire and a cloud of smoke. It's It seemed pretty clear that that was God leading them. Yeah. And, and I don't see anybody usually saying that that was Jesus appearing in those. It, you know, yeah, yeah. It just seems like it's God doing it. Okay? Okay. Um, uh, so that... I think is at least explanation of it. Yeah. Now, some passages seem to make a distinction. So this is the first problem is, okay, nobody has seen God, but I think that's an easy solvable one, just saying yeah. he can appear as God, yeah. or as he's, he can appear with what he wants, but he's still God. Yeah. All right. Another problem is some passages seem to make a distinction between God and the angel. Uh, like in Genesis twenty two seventeen, and God heard the lad saying, and the angel of the Lord called to Hagar mm. from heaven. Yeah. So it sounds like God heard, but the, the angel of the Lord, Lord spoke. spoke. Yeah. Okay. So that sounds like there's a distinction. Yeah. Then in uh, 24 7, the Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my birth, and who spoke to me and who swore to me, says, To your descendants I will give this land. He will send his angel before mm. you. So now it sounds like the Lord and his angel are two separate things. Yeah. So I, I, I see some passages like this that seem to be. Uh, distinctions. Yeah. Here's another one. This uh, this passage is really interesting. Behold, I'm going to send an angel before you to guard you on the way, to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Be on your guard before him and obey his voice. Do not be rebellious towards him, for he will not pardon your transgression, since my name is in him. Hmm. Let me just say, yeah, just let me explain that. I think that means he has my authority. Yeah. Means he's carrying my name. So th this one was already said to be an angel yeah. that now is carrying God's authority. Yeah. And so he says, don't you, don't you uh, rebel against him? Because if you do, yeah. he'll punish you. Yeah. Because he has the power. Yeah. If you will truly obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and I will completely destroy them. So you still have God using this angel, and he's yeah. talking in first person here. Well, in, in 22, you get the interesting, yeah. right? You yeah. have to, you will truly, but if you truly obey his voice yeah. and do all that I say. Yeah. So there's a deep equation there of yeah. what the angel's voice is and, and what the, God is saying. Yeah. Yeah. So there's two things. It's separate being, yeah. and yet he's got my authority. Yeah. That verse, in my mind, is is the most helpful to help us talk about this, an angel with a special commission from God. Yeah. Because that certainly says he's got... Because my name is in him. Yeah. And I think that means he's bearing my authority. Yeah. So...
That's good. That's my that's my best one for that one anyway. Yeah, <laughs> right. which I think leans into the, your third yeah. option the most probably. Yeah, right? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> pre-incarnate Christ. Okay, the angel speaks in first person as if he's God. We've yep, already would... seen those. So yeah, yeah. The angel of the Lord is equated with God. We saw that in eighteen mm-hmm. one. He receives divine honor and possibly sacrifice. Mm. Well, let's look at those. Um, okay. The first one is in Joshua five uh, fourteen and fifteen, and he said, "No, rather in." Indeed, I have come now as the captain of the hosts of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face and bowed down and said to him, uh, What has my Lord to say to uh, to his servant? And the captain of the Lord said to Joshua, Remove your sandals uh, from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So people have said that that's Jesus doing that. Uh But it never actually says it's the second person of the Godhead, does it? It actually says it's the captain of the Lord's host. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that that's an angel who's a captain of the Lord's host, uh-huh. that he's um, got his authority, he's the one that goes to battle. In Daniel, you've seen Michael seems to be the mm-hmm. one that protects Israel, and yeah. so could actually be that. But it doesn't... And when it says, uh, take off your sandals for your feet, for the place you are standing is holy, some people said, well, it's got to be divine or he wouldn't do it. But remember, if if he's speaking for God, hmm. then he better represent that person as this angel or whoever it is, hmm. as if he is God. Cause I see. So I think yeah, yeah. that's the taking off your sandals. He wants him to know, this is important. Yeah. I've, I've got the authority from God. Yeah. So I actually argue that's not the pre-incarnate Christ, and it pretty much says it's the, lane, the captain of the Lord's yeah. host. Yeah. So, and then, now the other one is also interesting. Um, judges, in uh, judges 13, 16. Yeah. Then the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, though you detain me, I will not eat your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For Manoah did not know he was the angel of the Lord. See, I think it's clarifying. This is not the Lord because he didn't know he was the angel of the Lord. But but yeah. there's two people here. He says, the angel of the Lord says, if you're going to offer a sacrifice, offer it to the Lord. He doesn't say, offer it to me. Yeah. So I actually think that's a, a another really clear thing, that the angel of the Lord and the Lord are two different things. Yeah. 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 So, so I'm building my case, as you can see. I can see, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Um, the angel of the Lord never appears after Christ's birth. Now, that's so that's an argument for for it again. This yeah. being the pre-incarnate. Christ. Yeah. Now the problem with that is it could be that the a messenger formula doesn't happen in the New Testament anymore. There's also a grammatical issue with this one. Okay. Uh, in Hebrew, you can say the angel of the Lord in a construct relationship, huh. and then it would be a specific angel of the Lord. In Greek, you have to put the article on each of the words. So you can say, an angel of the Lord, where in Hebrew, that would be really hard to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd have to, you have to do it a different way than in a construct relationship. Yeah. So I actually think... Because there's one... Yeah. There's one article connected to it. For both of them. On both things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I see. So because uh, both parts of the a construct phrase have to be definite or yeah, indefinite... Yeah. yeah. It's really hard to do it any other way. Yeah. So I actually think that it's more of a problem with grammar and probably the custom of there no longer being a messenger formula. Yeah. So so not just because Christ at birth. Okay. Yeah. Um, problem. No mention of Christ in the Old Testament. Okay. Um, John one one says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God." Okay. That was the first time I knew that the very word that G- that God spoke mm-hmm. 
was apparently Jesus, the Logos. Yeah. I would have never known that from just reading the Genesis account. Yeah. So it's only when I get to the New Testament that it can help clarify that, mm-hmm. so further revelation kind of thing. Yeah. So if there's going to be things in the Old Testament where Jesus appears, they're probably going to be very hidden, and mm-hmm. they're not going to be real clear. Yeah. So, so it would seem like to me that could be a problem, how we're going to distinguish between the angel of the Lord and God. Mm. So I think that's, I think, I understand that there's no mention of Christ. Maybe he's there, but he's not mentioned, okay? I I think there's a reason for that. In the Old Testament, I think if they would have seen God and knew he had parts, persons in him, Uh. they would have thought that was polytheism. I think we talked about that before. And so I don't see God clear revealing other parts of the Godhead in the Old Testament so that there wouldn't be this understanding that maybe he's polytheistic like the rest of them. Right. So right. I actually think it's not until the New Testament where that's actually clarified that yeah. idols are nothing and and then yeah, it can yeah. then it can be talked about. Okay. Yeah. So that's how I understand it. Yeah. Um there's another problem is that Christ is superior to the angels. Yeah. So to be calling him an angel when Hebrews makes it real clear that right. he's a lot superior to them could be a problem. I don't think it's insurmountable, but I think it's an issue. Yeah. Okay. Um, G.W. McDonald said that it would be docetism. Huh. He just appears to be God or take on a human form, but he's not really God. Well, if this is if this is Jesus appearing, he's just taking on uh, an appearance of God, but he's not really God. Oh. Now that's what he. So Christ's body was not human, but a f- um, phantasm or what that what they call it, yeah. um, uh, or of a real but celestial being. That's how they argued, and it was therefore his sufferings were only apparent. Seems like to me that that's a bigger problem if yeah. he if he's just appearing to be that. Now. Um, mm. I still, um, I still think I probably wouldn't. He argued that yeah. I probably wouldn't argue that because I could. I would argue that Jesus can take, like angels, can take on physical bodies, huh. and you know these people don't know they're any different from an angel, you know, from a person. Yeah, so they must yeah, look yeah. like it. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming that Jesus could do that if he had to. I just don't think he does, but I think if he had to, he could do that. Yeah. And because it's temporary, it's not like what happens in the New Testament where he actually yeah. really takes on human form and becomes even a baby in that. Yeah. I would say in the Old Testament, it's just temporary, and and it's just like the angels, what they do. Yeah. I just don't think that's what's happening because you've got this distinction between them. So yeah. I think it makes I think the angel thing makes a lot more sense. Yeah. So yeah. well let's look at it then. Okay. So angel with a special commission. The third category. And we've already talked about this yeah. when it says my name is in him. So I think that means he's got divine authority. Yeah. And that we talked about, so I think that makes sense. Then you've got the argument between there's a distinction between him and the angel. Well, we we talked about those two. Yeah. You know, uh, here's one. Um, and God heard the lad crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar. Yeah. So there you've clearly seems to be a distinction. Yeah. All right. Um, no man has seen God. Okay, that would help that because now yeah, you haven't sure. seen yeah. God, now you yeah. see an angel. Yeah. All right. I would actually argue it's like an ambassador where, mm. uh, you know, other countries, uh, they would often send representatives yeah. to, and we know that happened because David actually sent representatives to the king of Syria one time, yeah. or um, the king of Babylon uh, sent messengers, uh, Merodach Baladan yeah. sends messengers to Isaiah, yeah. or I mean, to, uh, to Israel, to yeah. Hezekiah, and then 
in, in the book of Isaiah. So it seems like that they know of, of about sending ambassadors. So I actually argued it would be very similar to what we do today when we send an ambassador. If you if you would mock or make fun of our ambassadors, then... Yeah, this representative of the yeah, country they represent, and, or that... And it'd be just like doing it to, to the our president. country. Yeah. yeah. So I actually see it more like that. Well, and I would even imagine... I mean, today, it, it may even be stronger than today because yeah. we have instantaneous communication today. Yeah, that's but true. An ambassador would have had to have had a good amount of authority to represent the king's yeah. wishes and without maybe, being able to talk to the exactly. king again. That's, you know? pr- that's a good point. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Okay, we talked about uh, the angel being called yeah. God or the Lord because he has the authority, so you better treat him as God. Yeah. Okay, and then another problem is no angel of the Lord in the New Testament. I would actually argue since there's no messenger formula anymore. Uh, I've got uh, this as an example, uh, Matthew one twenty. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in dreams, saying, "Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. That which has been conceived is of the Holy Spirit." So you've still got an angel coming, yeah. And you better still treat them. I mean, they, every time they yeah. see them in the New Testament, they're still afraid of them. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So they still have some authority, but it's not like what you've got in the Old Testament, yeah. where if you disobey him, he's going to punish you. Yeah. And my name is in him. Yeah. So it seems like it's different. And and you have your article. Yeah. Thing in here that's too, different. where it's an angel of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here's our conclusions. Okay. Abraham tries to protect his family by claiming to be Sarah's brother, but God has to protect him anyway. Yeah. So I think that's kind of... It's it. a lesson. And I think that's really important for us to learn, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's we true, can, yeah. You can do all we want with our our logic and everything, but that yeah. is going to fall short. Yeah. And God still has to be there. Yeah. Okay, Melchizedek is a Canaanite priest that seems to serve God and become a picture of a king and a priest, meaning David and Jesus. Yeah. And we've talked about that, so I think that makes some sense. Yeah. All right, then the last one, the angel of the Lord is an angel sent with God's authority to speak to people for him down here on earth. The messenger uh, formula was very important for that kind of thing. Yeah. So does that all make sense? Yeah. We covered a lot today, too. That is a lot, yeah. Two very difficult passages or issues. Yeah, I mean, I'd say three kind of challenging ones. I think the first one is still kind of... uh, Oh, yeah. ...confounding, I think, for a a modern reader. It seems... It seems wrong what yeah. he's doing. Yeah, it sure does. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But, but, but also, if you think about it, why would he do it if it was so stupid, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think it's there's some logic behind what he's trying to do. Well, I don't even know if it's that it seems stupid. I think the challenge today is reading it. It sounds like he's afraid. It's like a, a, a fearful yeah. action. Like, I'm afraid for myself, and I'm going to put oh, yeah, my wife on the line. Yeah, or so something it makes like him that. sound like it's a real kind jerk, of like, kind of. Yeah, yeah, but it's, yeah. Like, it's kind of like a... Well, like a jerk, but also just someone who, yeah, who's who's operating out of fear instead yeah. of faith or something, which I think would maybe be a, a misunderstanding of. Yeah, it, it's related to that idea. Of, I was just gonna um, say he probably is afraid, is why he, he did he probably, that. Probably there is some fear in there, but I, I don't think it's. I don't think the lesson he's learning is like don't be afraid. It's it's yeah. you have to rely on God because you can't. Yeah, because you can't do it yourself. yourself. Yeah. yeah. So there's a little bit of a. Yeah. A little bit there. Yeah. Good. Three, three challenging. Yeah, topics. I think you know. Yeah, I think they're kind of all fun. connected by Abraham. But yeah, this is a great. This is a great episode. Well, I'm not sure what's next week, but I'm sure we'll come up with something. Well, we've been in Genesis for a long time, so yeah. there's probably some more stuff in Genesis. I'm sure we. Can, yeah, I'll we can look through it and see what other other things we got. Okay, all that right. sounds good. Thank you. Thank thank you. All right, <laughs> bye bye.